right, welcome to the Pineapple Couch with B-Rob. Today is Thursday, July 1st, and this is episode 107 of the Pineapple Couch with B-Rob. If you like what you are hearing, go ahead and subscribe on Apple or Spotify. Leave a five-star review. Share it with your friends. You know all that good stuff. Share the good vibes. I'll stop rambling and tell you guys what we're getting into today. We're getting into episode four of Loki. Uh, Quite the episode that just aired on Disney+. Plus. Wednesday at midnight or Tuesday at midnight. I'm not actually sure how that works when I say that, but it's been out. So I'm going to be joined by Peter Gonzalez to talk about all that and theorize on what we think is to come in the Loki series. So let's get into that. Peter, how are you doing, my friend? I'm doing great. That was a solid intro. I liked it. It was a lot of information and very quickly and sufficiently. You know, after 107 of these, every once in a while, you'll get one that just flows and you don't have to start after five times after saying three words. But let's get into the show. Uh, I mean, obviously, Peter, off the top, best episode of the season, right? Hands down, maybe best Disney Plus episode in general yet. Oh, yeah. Potentially based just on... On the reaction, I just that episode. There's just so much to go into it, and it's funny because I watched it a few minutes ahead of you, and I think mm-hmm. I even tweeted about that too, where it was like the feeling of finishing the episode before yeah. your friend finishes it. So I was like sitting on my emotions. I was like, "Is he done yet? Is he done yet?" Looking at the clock, I was like, hey, "He almost has to be done." And I'm glad that we did talk about it a little bit. But yeah, what an episode! What an episode! And we'll talk about that more today. Um, I mean. Let's just get right into it. I, I will echo your point of that's the best Disney Plus episode. I think so. So let's get into what made this episode so good. We'll go at it scene by scene as we always do. If you like what you're listening and you want to watch, you can check us out on YouTube as well. All right. The episode, episode four, it opens with Sylvie as a child in Asgard. And uh, she's playing with some Asgardian kids toys. I mean, what? We think she's like from ages four to like eight potentially here, Peter? I think so. I think they're obviously very young, and I thought the toys were interesting choices because it looked like one of them was um, Fenris, and obviously she mentions a Valkyrie, but it did mm-hmm. like it was like a wolf type toy, which is again more calls to Ragnarok, which is interesting. Absolutely, and then we see Renslayer amongst other TVA agents come and arrest her for crimes against the sacred timeline. And young Sylvie goes through the same process that Loki did in episode one when he first arrived in the TEA. So that means you get the jumpsuit, you get the collar around your neck, you have to sign for everything you said, and so on. And when she is in the the room with the judge, young Sylvie, she escapes from Renslayer and then steals a tempad and teleports away. We find out this was all taking place in a memory of Renslayers. I mean, it, it happened, but Renslayers thinking about it right now as she heads up the golden elevators to approach the timekeepers and then the opening title plays. We get the tease of the timekeepers right away. We get the backstory of Sylvie. What we see why she's been on the run all these years. What'd you take from that, Peter? Did you like it? I mean, obviously you liked it. I know you liked yeah. it. What'd you <laughs> I take definitely from enjoyed it. I like I thought it was an interesting approach to show us that Renslayer's been there for a while. I mean, she was one of the Minutemen to begin with. She wasn't a judge to start off with. And so I think that was an interesting introduction because we have theorized, is she similar to Mobius or how did she kind of get there? But I think it was interesting to see her as a Minuteman and also just taking this kid 
who did a crime against the timeline and has no idea what that crime is. I mean, with no, like, emotion really at all, just heartless, cold, comes into the timeline, takes the, arrests the child, and then they prune that timeline by blowing it up. So even Asgard can't hold up to the TVA in that alternate reality. Um, and so after the opening title... We see Renslayer after she has talked to the timekeepers. We don't see the timekeepers quite yet. And she's kind of freaking out at Mobius about how stressed she is about these variants. The timekeepers are very involved. She's very worried about that. Um, And then we get Mobius. He wants to talk to C-20. And if you remember, C-20 is the TVA agent, the Minute Man, Minute Woman, who uh, Sylvie enchanted and captured and took to that bar at the beginning of the last episode. And she kind of was going insane um, from the enchantment, or that's what people thought. But really what she was doing is she saw her past life. She's She knows the flaws in the TVA or the fallacy that it stands for. And Renslayer then tells Mobius, like, she's dead, which shocks Mobius. And um, she blames Sylvie's enchantment for destroying C-20's mind and eventually killing her. Renslayer asks Mobius to keep this between them. And it appears, Peter, that she is using this as motivation for the TV agents to capture the Lokis. A little full Phil Coulson situation, potentially, is what she's trying to do here. What do you think of that? I think for me, instantly, this was like huge red flag. I was like, this person died off screen, and now we're being told this is what this was done by Mm -hmm. Sylvie's powers that did this where up to now we were led to believe that wasn't possible that wasn't what she did so i think for me it just really raised the alarm of again sketchiness of the tva and i think even mobius had a bit of pause towards it because of the way it was explained to him and i think also this episode is constructed so well as a whole so i think just this way this scene starts to unravel your mind you're you're basically enveloped into the episode from the get-go I mean, huge villain vibes from Renslayer, too. Just throughout. We've seen that in this series, but I mean, just right from the top of this episode, they're hitting us over the head with that. And so we head back to Lamentis One, that planet where Loki and Sylvie are watching the end of the world. Loki apologizes for getting them in this situation. And Sylvie kind of talks about how she can barely remember Asgard. And she kind of, we get from this that essentially the fact that this Loki, Sylvie, was born a girl is the reason the TVA came after her. And she lived the rest of her life on the run, avoiding Nexus events, because everywhere she goes, she's not supposed to exist. So that's just fucked. Her whole life was not really supposed to happen, and so they were just waiting until it caused something, and boom. Don't you think? Yeah, it, it just it's it really questions the methods and motivations of the TVA. Like, you're going about this in such a way that is almost inhumane, I guess. It's just like oh, yeah. you're trying to erase this person because according to you, it's not supposed to be that way in this universe, which lends credence, again, to the multiverse aspect. Mm-hmm. And they're shown... The, I think what's done really well in this episode is how robotic the TVA is. We have seen that, but when you juxtapose that to the young Sylvie, young Loki, and you just see the really, like, the I don't give a fuck and the cruelty of it, they're really hyping up the bad, the badness of the TVA. And that's kind of also heightened when, you're, if you're feeling bad for Sylvie, Lady Loki, she says she grew up in the ends of a thousand worlds and she's going to die here. 
And meanwhile, back at the TVA, though, they're desperately trying to figure out where these Lokis could be. Um, and then we're going back to Lamentus One here to Loki and Sylvie, and they're discussing what it means to be a Loki. Uh, I believe Sylvie says, does it mean to just be to be a Loki? You just lose. Loki goes on about how it's it's really about how a Loki survives, which I thought was good. And um, there's a quite a bit of chemistry, which I guess causes a nexus event and allows the TVA to track them. And they come in and arrest them and take them through the portals right before this world is about to close. And um, I want to talk about this because this is a big hitting point on this episode of what is this nexus event that they caused? Like, what could this mean? Is it them just romantically? Is it the idea of Loki falling in love with himself? Like, is that causing the nexus event? But actually what I think it is, is if you think back into earlier in this season and through Loki's time in the MCU, Peter, what does a Loki do? Or they kind of explain it in the TVA is like, he kind of is there to help people reach the best versions of themselves, right? Right. Like, like how he, when he killed Coulson, the Avengers came together. You could say the th- same thing when you look at Thor 1. Loki meddling is what ultimately made Thor worthy in a way. He's there to help the, somebody reach their highest potential. So I think what's happening here is that it's a nexus event because the chemistry between these two, whether it seems romantic, I don't think that matters as much, but basically... The friendship romance that these two are forming, Peter, it's for both of them. They because Loki's aren't supposed to be together. They're both helping each other reach the higher version of themselves that a Loki has never reached because there's only one Loki and Loki always helps someone else. But in this case, it's two Lokis helping each other. And so the fact that these Lokis helping each other realize to be the best of them. I think that makes them potentially like a nexus being like that powerful of a locally Loki similar to like a Wanda, maybe not that level, but do you see the theory I'm trying to throw down here? I do because I think a lot of what we've been led to believe about Loki throughout this is that he's always wanted attention. He's wanted, you know, validation in a sense, but here through the two Lokis meeting, they're finding validation in themselves in their mirror selves, so to speak, which again, is not supposed to happen according to the sacred time. Loki's never supposed to sort of love themselves mm-hmm. because that's not part of their journey. And so for them to be helping themselves, this is, this is, this is a, it's tough. Be, yeah, but if they're, they're helping themselves, that's not supposed to happen. And similar to you said with Wanda, that wasn't supposed to happen. So these things are, are a huge reason why the TBA is not okay with this and why they didn't want the interaction of these two. They didn't want this to sort of happen. Mm-hmm. And I love this because of how it's so true to Loki's character and they can just point back to earlier times in the MCU where this happens. So I, I, I'm I'm really a fan of how they're doing this. And, and so I now, think just to go, go ahead. off with that, too, it's like I think the callbacks we've had to Loki's mom throughout the season also speaks to this where someone sees something in you and sees the good in you. So I think the two of them seeing that in each other goes back to that basis where Loki had that in his mom where maybe Sylvie didn't necessarily have that, so they're able to kind of give that to each other. Yeah, that's a great point. A lot of callbacks in this. Um, And so we're back in the TVA, and Mobius and Loki debate who betrayed who. Um, 
And then Mobius calls Loki. He says, like, you're kind of an asshole and a bad friend. And he sends him into a time loop, a bad memory prison, a time cell to wait. It's basically a holding cell before they want to interrogate people to rough them up a bit. And so in Loki's case, he uh, has to go to this memory where he had just cut off a part of Sif's hair. And she comes up and beats the shit out of him and tells him he's alone and will always be alone. So he just has to keep experiencing that over and over again and before he does the interrogation as a way to just soften him up before the interrogation. But though, before Loki goes to in to this time loop, Loki tells Mobius that the TVA is lying to him, planting that initial seed in Mobius's mind. It doesn't do anything really there, but that is the first instance of Loki trying to reveal to Mobius who Mobius really is. And um, so now, as Sif, Lady Sif is just beating the crap out of Loki, Mobius heads up to Renslayer's office and he asks her to interview um the lady loki sylvie and renslayer quickly shoots that down and says she is too dangerous and that is a giant red flag of how renslayer doesn't want anyone else talking to this lady loki one because she could reveal like hey you're all variants because she knows something about this and two maybe getting her own back because she's the one who originally screwed up and let uh, this variant loose, and she doesn't want people to know that. What do you think about that? Uh, yeah, some really major red flags. I mean, I think a lot of it ties back to C20 also, because Renslayer knows something about C20 that hasn't been revealed to Mobius yet, and mm-hmm. so she knows that Lady Loki, who she learns is named Sylvie, doesn't doesn't want she doesn't want her to contribute something to Mobius and kind of start cracking away at this. But I think it was interesting because last week we talked about is Renslayer a variant? I feel like this theory kind of puts that, pushes it her further from being a variant, I feel like, because she doesn't want, she if she knew she was a variant, she wouldn't want to keep that. You know what I'm saying? So it's like... Yeah, there, there is, like, I feel like they present some evidence in this episode of how she could be a variant because like she was once a minute man like Mobius. So you're led to believe that those are all variants. But as we go throughout this episode and even here, it's just like, I don't think she's a variant No, or she's just like has ultimate Stockholm syndrome. It is a variant, but just like loves and believes in this. I don't know. It doesn't make sense for her to be a variant to me. So that's a good point that you bring that up. Um, and so Mobius, he's headed out and uh, 100B15 is asking him some stuff, kind of busting his balls. And we get a quick mention here of Mobius mentions Krees, Titans, and Vampires. So, Vampires, Blade, Morbius, a good little Easter egg there. And we see, though, Peter, for the first time, 100B15 is really starting to question her reality. And we need to remember that in episode 2... When they were at Roxcart at that uh, big mall, Sylvie enchanted uh, Hunter B-15. And so like what happened with C-20, Hunter B-15, we just didn't see it, probably saw memories of her past life. And so that's been fucking with her. And so she's really starting to question her reality. Is that what you got? No, totally. And I feel like it calls back to the at the beginning when we started into the series, I a lot of it seems like, you know, free will, what is predestined, 
what is not and the what characters can do. So I think this kind of showed her that there was more to the life she's had than what she was led up to believe. And I think that, that this was a standout episode for her, I think, too, because oh, yeah. you kind of see... Because uh, Mobius is the one we, we have a connection with already, but her was kind of like, again, one of these robot Minutemen-type figures who is suddenly like, what is it? What is real? What isn't real? And I think that it's starting to show the damage that TVA has caused, in a sense. Yeah, it's the first time she's really getting like a sense of <clears throat> humanity to her character, if that makes sense. Like we're finally totally. seeing her realize there's consequences and kind of just not live in this bubble reality. Um, and then so we get back to Mobius and he takes Loki out of the time cell and he starts his interrogation. And Loki really downplays the alliance between him and Sylvie. And Mobius asks, like, he's trying to find out what created that Nexus event on Lamentis. And so Loki, being the liar that he is, he makes up this lie about his relationship with Sylvie and says it was a big plan all along that he visited, she visited him in Asgard or he visited her a long time ago. And they've had this whole big plan and that she's disposable to him. And it's all him. It's all him. It's all Loki. He's the smart one. And so saying that Sylvie is a pawn, Mobius goes, okay, well, as long as like that's good that you're going to dispose of her because she's been pruned. And it's like, oh, oh. And Loki reacts just how I was just reacting of like, oh, no. And he's visibly very upset and he, about this. And he keeps like asking Mobius questions. And then in just a great Owen Wilson moment here, Mobius, he's obviously bluffing. She it was not pruned. But Mobius starts to give Loki shit for falling in love with himself. It's the most narcissistic thing ever. It makes so much sense for Loki. But I really like that one. If they're going to do the two Loki things with them falling in love with themselves, I'm fine with that. But you need someone like Owen Wilson to make fun of it. And I just thought that was great. And they're leaning into it. What do you think? So two points to that. I thought this is such a great example of the quality of acting that is being brought into this. Like, no, not to say that Falcon the Winter Soldier wasn't acting done well, but like when you have... Well, like I mean, there was there, there was some really bad acting. One specific actress, and I guess actors, everyone that was in the Flag Smasher should never work in film, TV, anything ever again. The worst thing you don't have any ever strong put opinions on about that. I won't but rewatch so, so, it. I won't rewatch it because of that. Sorry, I'm, I'm done. I'm done. You know, every now and then we'll have a PTSD episode of Flag Smashers from Ryan, and you just <sighs> witnessed one of those. Yeah. But um, similar to how Elizabeth Olsen channeled so many eras and emotions and WandaVision, Tom Hiddleston here in this scene especially, mm -hmm. you know, where he's basically trying to play Mobius, but at the same time trying to mask his own feelings while revealing his feelings with the subtleties. It was done so, so well. And then to your speak to your point about how if we're going to have the Loki Loki going on, then you do need Mobius to kind of be that almost Agatha type character where you're poking at the what you're seeing on screen, which is the mm -hmm. kind of the fan perspective, because I know some fans are like, why are you going this route? But I understand where it's going. And I'm on board, too. I think it's I yeah. think it's a really unique way to do this. I like it a lot. And um, so after all the shit Mobius is giving him, Loki just snaps. And he tells Mobius the truth of the TVA and that Mobius and all the other agents are variants. And he's telling 100% the truth, at least we know of, and that Loki knows of, to Mobius. And it 
kind of affects Mobius, but not really. Again, this is another seed being planted and really bringing in that level of doubt. And so Loki is a Mobius sends Loki back into the time cell and you get a great line here from uh, Loki. He's like, out of all the liars in the TVA, you're the biggest. And um, Mobius goes, what? Because I tricked you about your girlfriend? And Loki goes, no, I can respect that. It's the lies you tell yourself. Which that, it's not the glass shattering moment, Peter. But it's that if you have if you're driving and a car chips or a rock chips up and hits your window and it doesn't shatter it, but you know, oh boy, that's not good. I gotta go get that fixed because something's gonna break. It's that initial and that's it. That line by Tom Hiddleston is beautiful, but also by Loki really is like a shell shocking moment. Not fully, but really, really strongly plants the final seed in Mobius right there, don't you think? Oh, 100%. And I feel like at that moment is when I went from sitting comfortably on my sofa to, like, sitting on the edge of the sofa. Like, at that point, I was like, I don't know where we're going. But it was just like, you have a reaction as a viewer, too, where you're just like, things are going to get really gnarly now. Because, like you said, it is that little hit. And boy, do they get gnarly. They get... Uh, This episode, you you mentioned you're sitting up. It was just a... the rest of this episode was one big holy shit for me. It was just like, oh, oh my I had freaking god! At different parts too. I was just like, like I was just mouth Master. open, staring at the screen, just like losing it. Yep. In a yep. way that I had did not at all, unfortunately, in Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Not once. Um, checking back in with Hunter B fifteen, she goes to Sylvie, and she goes into her heavily guarded cell, and she takes her to the Rock's Cart Nexus event. And Sylvie's wondering if there's going to be some sort of fight here, but no. B-15 is asking her, what, why did she see what she saw when Sylvie put that enchantress on, or enchantment on her? Did, she like, did Sylvie create that? And no. Sylvie explains to Hunter B-15 what she explained to Loki last episode and what Loki just tried to explain to Mobius. And Hunter B-15, because she has been enchanted... She agrees, and she finally sees through this, and again, a lot more humanity brought to this character, because it's heartbreaking. Well, yeah, because I think at one point she says, too, that she remembers that she was happy. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that we've kind of taken for granted. These people are doing a job here. Maybe they're not necessarily happy, so to speak, or they don't have an idea of needing to be happy, because they mm-hmm. have a purpose. They have their purpose they're trying to serve out which is to protect the sacred timeline, which kind of goes back to the whole idea of glorious purpose, Loki yep. ideology, which again, just leads to what is this episode? Yeah, it's the mindlessness. And that's exactly what Loki is telling the Mobius is the big, the lie that you're telling yourself is that you're okay with this, that you're not really standing for anything or doing anything or enjoying anything. So um, moving on, we're back to the TVA now and Mobius and Renslayer are celebrating, I have this in quotes, the closing of the case, so to speak, because they have both variants captured. And she tells him that she didn't let him interview Sylvie because of what she did to C-20. And um, Mobius is invited to meet the timekeepers when they bring up the Lokis to kill them. And But Mobius is acting very strange. Renslayer is noticing. He's asking more questions about C-20. He's clearly got something on his mind. Renslayer is trying to ease him and comfort him she also friend zones him into 
like i i wish I, I wish there was a planet I knew of that was farther away than like Pluto or some shit like that. She friend zoned him across space and time. It was one of the biggest friend zones you will ever see. It was unbelievable. Ever. Like you, you don't expect that in an MCU production to be done. Mobius like that, didn't was... deserve that. That's tough. My boys down bad. Again, Renslayer sucks. She sucks. She friend zones our boy Mobius just into oblivion. And um, she then asks Mobius, which I think is really weird. She asks him where he could go if he could go anywhere at any time or any place on the timeline. And he basically says right here. And this is to Loki's point of how that's the lie you're telling yourself. So another good callback to that, I thought. And um while uh, Renslayer is admiring her, one of the Loki like daggers or whatever weapons to add to her collection, um, Mobius switches temp pads with her and then leaves the room. Mobius then goes to like the library and he hides while he watches C20's interrogation, where she calls out the TVA for what it is, admits she's a variant, says they're all variants. And I have in the notes the way to describe this and why they kill her is basically she knows what the fuck is going on. She she gets it, and so that's why she is killed. And Mobius sees that Peter, and wow. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I'm at a loss for words. Just you know, re- reprocessing this, but that's how I was when I was watching this episode. It's like you're seeing the truth come to someone, and it's heartbreaking in a sense for them, but at the same time, it's also empowering them to be like everything that I believed in is wrong. And mm-hmm. we kind of did talk about this last week. We wanted to kind of see a character go through that kind of losing a sen- a grasp of what you thought was everything to you. And now you're kind of just like, everything is a lie. And this just, again, such well done storytelling. Yeah. It's just heavy on our boy Mobius here. Not as the only friend zoned and down bad. He finally realized that everything he's living for is an actual lie. And the person that he had a crush on or his best friend, whatever, he sees her in the video, stopping the video. So she's been lying to him. Mobius realizes that. And um, he runs to Loki to the time cell and he admits that Loki was right. And you get this good conversation between Hiddleston and Owen Wilson, Loki and Mobius. Just a great back and forth like they've always had. And some great moments here like he tells loki hey you could be whatever you want to be want to be maybe even you could be someone good which is something very cool to tell loki and it's something very good for mobius to finally realize like hey i've been living my life under these constraints under this lie i don't know why i've been saying this i well i know why i've been saying this but i'm not saying this anymore he's he thanks loki basically and says you were right the whole time um and it, it, it's it's just a great friendship moment there, Peter. And they're they're gonna go get Sylvie, and they're gonna go recreate that Nexus event so they can destroy the TVA together. And they've got that trust. The good vibes are going after the poor uh, friend zoning thing for our boy Mobius. He goes back to the boys, Loki. They're I, there for him. They're there for him. Honestly, that whole interaction. And granted, we're only four episodes in. I feel like they're a tighter duo than Sam and Bucky in us almost because just there is this mutual sense of the oh, yeah. moment here that happened here where, like you said, they're able to 
grow from what they experienced and go forward. And it's just, again, why these Disney Plus shows work. You're able to really expand upon the characters and have moments like this and these sort of team-ups that you look forward to that you don't expect to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, 100%. I, I mean, I'd put their chemistry up there with really anything in the MCU. I think peak chemistry in the MCU, I mean, right there is Stark, Peter Parker. That's really good. The back and forth between Cap and Tony is great. Obviously, Loki, Thor might be number one. Um, but, I mean, we, we could go on and on about that. So let's go back into this episode here, Peter. Um, and they are leaving the time cell. The two two friends all good vibes and oh shit they are surrounded by Renslayer and other guards and Mobius is called out for stealing Renslayer's temp pad and the rest of this episode is all gas no breaks here we go strap in people because things are going to get wild um Mobius he's called out and they're not saying anything he's like what's going on and then Mobius he drops the mic like the king he is. And he says, you know what? If I could go anywhere, it'd be wherever it is I'm really from, wherever, who, whatever time I'm from. And he says, maybe I had a jet ski. And you know what? You're damn right you had a jet ski, Mobius. And he drops the mic. And it is just like, wow, Mobius finally standing up to the TVA, Peter. Finally knows who he is. He's finally taking control. And Peter, he is immediately pruned and killed in front of Loki as he is taken to the timekeepers. Holy shit. That was such a Bang, 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 bang. Because, like, at one moment, I'm, like, cheering because the jet ski line, like, justice for the jet ski. We had it. He had his recognition. And then they get rid of him in, like, seconds. A character that we've only had for four episodes, but you have that connection to, is gone. And we're led to believe that once you're pruned, you're like gone, gone. You know, you're gone yeah. forever. So it's like, and it's also a main character in the show who they've just gotten rid of in a very un end game or un Infinity War level of erasing somebody. Like, yep. we don't have these kind of losses in the MCU. And we just had one as if it was just like that. Yeah, and we get like, what, three and a half episodes of, or he wasn't even in three, so two and a half episodes of Owen Wilson, and he's gone. Heartbreaking moment there. And so we now have Renslayer, she's heading to where Sylvie is, and she sees Sylvie with her wet hair, realized someone came in and interacted with her, and she is told it's Hunter B-15. So she tells the TVA that Hunter B-15 has been compromised by the variant and needs to be taken care of, like basically killed, because she interacted with Sylvie. And then Sylvie and Loki are taken into the elevator with Renslayer, that golden elevator, up to the Timekeepers where we started this episode. And you get some really good stuff here, Peter. Uh, Sylvie asks Renslayer if she remembers her. And Renslayer says yes. And then she's like, she tries to get her, like, what was the Nexus event? Like, what was going to happen? Like, why did you have to prune me, take me and prune my timeline? And, uh... Renslayer doesn't even remember. And Renslayer is saying this as in my how at least how I interpreted it of of like you're so insignificant to me that I don't even remember why I had to do this to you. Do you think that's is that how you interpret it? Because I see some other people online, Peter, who are saying like that Renslayer like let her go and there's this like sympathy. And I didn't get that at all. 
Okay, so totally don't, and the sympathy, no, not at all. But almost, I wonder if it brings into credibility in question what the pruning actually has been this entire time and, like, what the nexus, what these supposed supposed events were that she caught, that these people caused by being there. Because it is, like, so were they same, or is this, you know, back to the whole Kang the Conqueror theory where he's getting rid of timelines and he's just collecting people off the timeline for a bigger purpose, so to me, there is there is a lot of uncertainty with her saying she doesn't remember what the event was, but it's like, does she really not remember, or is it really just like, like you you're said, saying, like just, in terms, maybe she got her mind wiped at some point and doesn't remember something like that, or just even like it's part of a bigger plan, like the good she got reversed. It's like not important to tell her. It's mm-hmm. like not even interesting, or she's just or she's just being a bitch, basically. Yeah, it, like it's either the what you said first and then or she's just being a bitch and acting like her life doesn't matter to her at all and so now they are taken in front of the weird ass muppets looking alien timekeepers that make i mean they're not as fat as job of the hut but they might as well be they look very just very very weird looking shit like wizard of oz vibes obviously but just fucking strange but i like but also it. Like star wars again we're very oh, yeah. star wars also that. star wars episode nine type vibes also like you've seen episode nine yeah you know that yeah. whole ending thing that was the vibe i got too but also like it was weird to see the timekeepers because like i thought we would see them but i also thought we would never see them so yeah, like it... to be given this after everything that's happened and like here's the timekeepers now it's like you are already getting hit with so much. Yeah, and our so experiences quickly. with WandaVision and Falcon the Winter Soldier where they kind of let us down and don't don't show us that Mephisto. Don't have old man cap or whatever. So it's like, oh shit, they're showing us the timekeepers. And so the two Lokis talk some shit to these timekeepers. Um when they're and when they're about to be killed, Hunter B fifteen breaks in, saves them by deactivating the cuffs they have around their necks. She throws Sylvie her sword, and the two Lokis fight versus Renslayer and the TV agents in front of the Timekeepers. This is exactly, this is the Star Wars Rey and Kylo, So right? much Star Wars. Yeah, yeah it's so much. And I'm, I'm not mad about it, because I appreciate it, but also it's just like, it's interesting. It's kind of an adjustment to make like, oh, it's kind of, you know, this. Whereas I feel like if you're not a Star Wars fan, because I'm sure those people exist, this is like totally fresh cool fight scene but like when Mm -hmm. you are so just the whole sticks thing the whole vibe of the whole place is just very star wars yeah i really i really liked the action in this um the mystery is the weird just the weirdness of the show and the 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 spookiness that like this setting is really cool too so i'm a big fan of that the loki's end up winning this battle renslayer gets knocked out and Sylvie chucks the sword at the middle timekeeper and beheads the timekeeper. And we quickly were like, oh, shit, oh, what a win. And then we quickly realized, oh, no, it's just a robot or an android. And um, now they're just like they don't know who created the TVA. After all this, they don't they're back where they started. But there is some sort of agreement or understanding that they're going to go take this out together and we see Loki and Sylvie, they're about to share a moment, like on Lamentus. This is heavy romance vibes here. And then Renslayer wakes up from being knocked out and prunes our boy, Loki. Tom Hiddleston pruned right in front of Sylvie's eyes. Sylvie pins 
Renslayer, and Renslayer's just like, prune me, do it. <laughs> and Sylvie's like, no, 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 no. You're going to tell me everything. And the credits roll. Oh, my gosh, Peter. Honestly, at that, I didn't know what to do at that point. I was, like, standing up. I was, like, walking around the living room. I was like, what, what? And it's like, yeah, I can't even speak it now because it's like you just pruned Loki. The star of the show was pruned. It's like yeah. if we killed Wa- like Wanda died in the middle of the whole battle or something. Where it's like, because mm-hmm. like Vision died, okay, that's not. But it's like if you get rid of Wanda, it's like boom. But this is like Loki. You're getting rid of Loki, yeah. and before the end credits roll, in such a wildly big swing that we don't, see, we didn't see necessarily in the two previous shows. And again, you're just like you're watching this, and you're like, what? Yeah, I mean, you just, lose. You lose Mobius and Loki in like 10 minutes. And um, I mean, it's incredible. So Sylvie's going to be our main POV character, at least in the TVA for the foreseeable future. And I do like that she did not prune Renslayer and that she's going to get some information out of Renslayer. It's like, I feel like Renslayer has terrorized in the TVA of terrorized Sylvie her whole life. I don't think that I know that from what we've seen. And so finally, we'll get a little revenge here for Sylvie, a little justice. Be curious to see what Ren Slayer knows. I think she knows everything, but I do not think she is the big bad. I think she is working for someone. There is still something going on here, whether it be real timekeepers. I don't know. I think it's got to be Kang. It's got to be Kang. I know I I don't want to get into a Mephisto. I feel it's like it's gotta be Kang. It has to be. There was something I don't know if it was a movie or a, or story wise where someone were so in my theory I I'm correct. Renslayer made up the timekeeper so to speak as a way of fulfilling her job for say Kang. So she made them as these three beings because they will be more credible than say yeah. her being in charge of it. And there's it was that's been done in something. I don't know what it. I can't think of what it is, but I've seen it somewhere in yeah. one of the millions of things i think that's that's an interesting yeah where she kind of looks like i'll pull the strings but we'll have these figureheads that everyone's going to be fear and respect and like oh timekeepers while i do my job to sort of prepare the way for kang to show up yeah and i think um i think it's another reason why i think it's kang is because so you think about how there's the sacred timeline right and that's what all the tva is about think about when uh, Doctor Strange in Infinity War looked ahead and he only saw one out of 14 billion or million thousand, I don't remember how many scenarios where the Avengers win. So that is the only scenario where Thanos loses. No shit, because Kang doesn't, can't really take over in a timeline where one. Thanos is there with the Infinity Gauntlet because that will pose a giant threat. And two, I think the King needs the Avengers in some sort of way because of his relation to them and his like his relative is like ancestors, stuff like that. So I think that that is another reason why it is Kang, because that one timeline he chose specifically didn't have Thanos. That's why it's the sacred timeline. And that's one of the reasons why this is the the sacred time do you, you see what i'm saying i know it's not I a do. giant point but i just think that I, I'm no i think it i think it's a pretty giant point i think it kind of speaks to where we're going with the mcu because 
you kind of need to have that understanding. And maybe we will get that next week of like why this timeline is the most important and is the sacred timeline and is the one that survives the multiversal war that took place before, according to the TVA, according to what's going on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, And who knows what, if anything that we have been told is true. Most of it, I assume, is false, but we'll find out. Um, and so now we got a, we had a post credit scene Thank in this God. episode. Thank God. And we see Loki. He wakes up and he's wondering if he's in hell. Or with one L. With one L, yes. And um, it, he's wondering if he's alive. And he hears um, and looks he hears something. And he looks up and there's three, four variant Lokis standing above him, telling him them him to come with him, come with them, if. Our Loki wants to live on some sort of destroyed Earth where we see like a fucked up Avengers Tower. Just looks like absolute chaos going around here. And the Loki's standing above him. There's kid Loki. There's old Loki, a class like he's described as classic Loki. There's boastful Loki with a big ass hammer, Mjolnir, maybe. And then there is crocodile Loki. And just what a way to end an episode. Our boy Loki is alive. It's hard to kill a Loki. You know, they survive. So when you get pruned, you're not killed. You're sent to some, sent somewhere. Maybe it's limbo. I don't really know. Maybe it's where the multiversal war took place. It's something like that. Like this battle world of just this destroyed area. We got, we know we got some rogue Lokis running around. Peter, what was your reaction to this? My initial reaction after seeing that Loki was in fact not dead made me wonder back to Infinity War and think to myself, how could that Loki be dead? Or is that Loki dead? Made me wonder. Because it's like, again, he told Thor the sun will set on us again, so to speak. And then, you know, we have this whole thing about Loki surviving. Loki surviving is constantly yep. the way we've been drawn into this whole episode. So it's like, what is go? I'm curious. I'm very curious. Um, more Lokis is never a bad mm-hmm. thing. And I think this kind of opens the door for fingers crossed all the Spider-Man being mm-hmm. in Absolutely. Spider-Man no way home. Yep. I think that's a great point. One thing I saw online, I don't know who said it, but I'm just going to take it because I thought it was so funny. I want to share it with you guys was, so you know how like Loki wakes up and is pruned. He's in this area and you have like the different versions of himself, right? Let's say the same thing happens to our boy Mobius. But instead of like versions of Mobius, it's all the different characters Mobius has played or Owen Wilson has played in his career, like saying wow at the same time. So you got the Wedding Crashers one you have. I mean, isn't he in Blades of Glory? Yeah, I think so. And then Night at the Museum. Night at the Museum. And then you have Lightning McQueen from Cars all saying wow i just you, they're not actually gonna do that but i thought that was funny i saw people saying that um yeah i mean it just there's so much to be handled in this last two hours of this show i'm loving every second about it, it is definitely going to be the thing that breaks open the multiverse like you mentioned with spider-man i think that's why we don't have a trailer yet they're waiting for loki to end i mean it's just incredible i think we're both on the kang train i that- did see a rumor that there was a report that he's supposed to show up. But again, we had those with WandaVision. We had those with Falcon and the Winter Soldier yeah. where these people are showing up. They're going to show up and then they did not show up. I they, don't, I wonder if this is a way, if we kind of have an introduction to him to sort of set him up for 
Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, mm-hmm. or how this is going to kind of be addressed going forward. Yeah, so I hope that we see Kang in, like, he is the villain of this series in a way. We see him fighting with Loki, and he doesn't necessarily get his ass kicked and lose, but maybe he loses control of this TVA, which causes the multiverse, which makes Kang angry. And so going forward, he is more aggressive. Um, but I so there's that option of, like, showing a lot of Kang, right? But then there's also the option of what they did in Avengers 1, where basically just, like, after loki's attack on new york doesn't work you see thanos like thanos is the one who sent loki and so yeah thanos lost but that's our first tease at him it doesn't devalue thanos i could totally see that happening with this show like let's say there's somebody else he has helping renslayer and they in the end lose and the post-credit scene is kang seeing like okay now i gotta maybe i need to step in and that puts us into ant-man 3 There's just so many movies between here and then is also the problem. There's just so much that could happen and just... Because he would have to be involved in Doctor Strange, you would think. You you would think so. I mean, Doctor Strange as it is, is filled with so many possibilities and so many... Mm -hmm. If we're going deep into the multiverse with that one, then we're just going to see... How do you cram that into two and a half hours long movie? It's like so much to happen. But I think that, again, we're just seeing the multiverse continually take cracks between this and WandaVision. Things are cracking in ways that we didn't have before. Maybe, mm-hmm. in a sense, Endgame did start also to kind of crack with the time traveling. Things did yeah. start to unravel. But again, there's just so much, like, why did the TVA wait so long to intervene? You know, you have those things where it's like, where do we go from here? And I think this show brings back the theorization that people spend over days and weeks. You know, you would just theorize that WandaVision introduced yeah. us to... And we had kind of a little bit of a breather with Falcon and the Winter Soldier. But now we're just like, what is happening? Where do we go here? And we're having these swing for the fences moments that we talked about. People saying the last episode did not have. Like, it was slow to some people. But it's like, that's why you have episodes that build to things. That's why you're able to have Mobius. You're able to have Loki. You're able to have all these reveals this episode because you get there. Naturally, Mm -hmm. you're not just rushing to get there. Yeah, and I think it'll be a little weird headed back to the movies and we won't have that at least the extra couple hours of character development. I mean, because we're getting so much in this Loki show, I'm assuming going forward on Disney Plus's shows will will give us as much as this, more than WandaVision and uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier did us, but that's a co- topic for another pod. Peter, anything else on episode four we want to wrap up with before we uh, say goodbye and get ready for episode five? You know, episode four did a great job of preparing episodes five and six in a way that oh yeah we have a lot more uncertainty and a lot more like, where are we going with this show in a sense that we haven't had in a minute. So it's nice to be back to that sort of realm of uncertainty. And again, possibilities are endless as it is right now because you have another world that's been introduced outside of wherever the TVA exists and sort of outside of time in a sense also. Mm-hmm. But you also have, like you said, you have that destroyed New York in the background. So it's like, do you set? Is it about? Do you set up Secret Wars from there? Also, what are you setting up to go forward? And again, we have big possibilities going forward. Yep, I like that. I like that a lot. Um, 
Yeah, I think that will be it for episode 107. Oh, one last thing, though. Yeah, what to your point of it being a good uh, setting up for the last two, I couldn't agree more because it's really what it is. It's setting up for the finale or the last two episodes. But a lot of the times when series have this episode, it'll be the thing that like sets everything up, but nothing happens. So it's like, okay, I'm really excited for this, but nothing happened. It's just setting the stage for that. I like how they... They set the stage for this, but so much stuff happened. So it's not, you're not like, it's not so predictable where you're like, okay, well, they set up this all up. So next episode, this, this, and this will happen. This was where like, hey, we're setting things up, but this is all still happening. So it's still up in the air. I liked it. So if you, if on that point, it's interesting because I just, I did a double check to see where we left off, you know, in Falcon, the Winter Soldier and WandaVision at this point. And at this point in, WandaVision, we were going right into Agatha. We were going yeah. on to let's recap everything. And we kind of had that episode that, again, was the bridge episode to the finale. Whereas in Falcon the Winter Soldier, we ended episode four with fake Captain America doing his his destruction, basically. He basically, oh, yeah. he was done at that point. Though he does have sort of a redemption weird arc, which, you know, that's another podcast. But yeah. It was. It's interesting to see how this one kind of leaves us even more of an ambiguous place of like we had a lot happen, more so than the other two, and so where do we kind of go next? Yeah, I think it's it's going to be quite fun. If you guys have any theories or questions about the show, send them in to us. Uh, Peter, where can everybody find you on Twitter? Peter Gonzo. Yep, that is me. With two Z's. Two Z's. Two Z's, and then you can find us at the pineapple couch on instagram and uh on twitter it's like at pineapple couch underscore you can find me at brob stark on twitter and at brian robbins on instagram uh, this has been episode 107 of the pineapple couch with b rob uh, don't worry once the nba finals matchup is set we will have a pod coming out for that uh peter always a pleasure thanks for joining likewise all right we'll see you guys next time